Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, a top five wine podcast in the country this week, a podcast that shares all the magic of what Wes Hagen spoke of in the last episode, coming to table and spending an extra hour with the ones we love over the contents in this bottle that actually acts as a way to travel through time, wine. And what area has a more exciting story with its character and personality and its people well, you already know it's Paso Robles, baby, and I am excited to be here. I'm excited you're here. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Well, I will be honest. This was a tough week for me. My day job on the radio was taken away. I was laid off due to a company-wide reduction in workforce. Now, this is not uncommon in the entertainment business, certainly in the radio business. And although it was shocking, and it's been tough, been hosting after creating these shows up and at them in the morning in the cork dorks for over 13 years. And when you get news like this, it's never easy. When you get laid off and it makes the front page of the paper, it's never easy. But that turned into a huge blessing because often it's not till you, you go that an influx of people talking about you, what they think of you, think of the job you did. And man, you never know when it comes to comments below a news story, how they're going to read. They're so encouraging, so heartwarming. The area that we live in here. Uh, just is incredible. All encouraging something next, something bigger, something better. And that's my heart's wish now. And although it's too early to talk about anything here, this is the first time I've been behind a mic since that big news. And I'm so thankful for this audience here. Lots of podcast listeners that don't even really hear my stuff on the radio reached out. The podcast took a huge jump in the last week after I made sure to mention it with all the media that interviewed me. So we hit number three for Wine Podcast a day or so ago. We were actually number 50 on the entire chart, which includes, again, all food podcasts, beer, spirit, all those podcasts come into one category. So thank you for being a friend to me this week. It's what this podcast, it's what this area is all about. So thank you. Okay, today we are bringing back a food convo, but in a different way than we did earlier a couple episodes back when we talked about pairings. Today, we're doing a show from a pasta factory. Yeah, the Edo Pasta Factory, which is like Willy Wonka here. It is so cool, so big, so new. So Brian Terezi invited us here along with his buddy and former guest of the podcast, Justin Fisher. Remember, he and his wife, Julie, own the Paso Wine Merchant in the Paso Market Walk. There is just newness all over this episode with breaking news, cool ways that Brian's brands like Giornata, which is in Tin City, Edo Pasta has evolved, so I can't wait to share it with you. Even in today's Travel Paso Spotlight, we got more newness. The new La Cosecha, the popular downtown spot across from the square, has been reborn, and it's super exciting. I went in, tried the cuisine, and you are in for a treat. In our Travel Paso Spotlight, we'll meet the GM, Ben Meyer, and he's going to lay it all out. He's got some really cool history. He was the GM at Justin Winery, the restaurant there, when they got their Michelin stars. And he's also from Chicago, like so many we have had on here are. Dude helped Michael Jordan put together his personal wine cellar. Like, what? I can't wait to ask him about that. So I can't wait to chop it up with Ben later after our conversation in the Travel Paso Spotlight. All right, so I show up to Tin City. Brand spanking new facility. This pasta factory. I mean, it's huge. It still has that new building smell to it. You know, like new car scent. I think new building scent is a thing too. It is now. Yes, Georgie is with me. And it's funny. He is doing this thing lately where he likes sleeping and laying down inside my fly with wine case that holds all my equipment when we're taping. So funny. It's really cute. I'll have to post a pic of that. All right, let's get right into this. I got Brian. I got Justin. I got a glass of orange wine. This is going to be fun. Let's go. So give me that moonshine. We'll get by. We'll get by. We'll get by. We'll get 
this one in you brought the orange one we in? brought the orange one in so for the at her table event that yes. michelle puts on every year i love her we bring this one in brian makes us a special uh ravioli for that event did you call it this before or orango i don't think you i don't think you've had this i don't think so tell no. me about it oh so orango tango so we've done a series of uh orange wines cheers gentlemen cheers, cheers. gotta say yeah, yeah. this is Thank going you guys. to be fun Look at oh this. yeah why not all right, tell me about Orango Tango. Yeah, so Orango Tango. <laughs> so we, we've made orange wines now for like 12, 13 years, um, which probably is about as long as anyone in Paso and, you know, pretty much as long as anyone in California. But they were always tiny quantity and amphora, clay amphora, and very limited. And we had some distribution with them, but they'd always kind of go super fast. And my distributor wanted more volume they were like we need more orange wine come on you know so i i said you know i'm gonna make a a bigger production orange wine so i came up with this idea and the name is orangotango which (laughs) is uh orangutan in italian so when i worked in italy i would always come across these words that italians would say and i go what does that mean you know an orangotango i'm like that's got to be an orangutan right in there of course it is but it's just a funny word orang and it's a perfect name for an orange wine so perfect this is two years old. The grape is Falangina, you know, a grape from southern Italy, and it's um, instant hit. So we made a few hundred cases the first vintage, sold out immediately, um, like a month. So then last year we made 750 for our small winery. That's like as big as anything we do. That's so cool. Two months gone. Now, when in 18, when Odds and I made our first wine, we wanted to do skin contact. And the reason she wanted to do skin contact, and we ended up getting a half a ton of peak pool from Halter. The reason she wanted to do skin contact is because she tried a wine that had skin contact that was Felangina. It was a Wrath wine. And it just like blew her mind and she always wanted to try it. Now, we didn't go orange wine with it, but for someone listening, what is an orange wine? Because it really takes skin contact, white phenols, and white mouthfeel to a whole new level. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, I did, a, I did a winemaker panel, and one of my colleagues, who's a friend, I'm not going to throw him under the bus, but he said, I hate orange wines. And I'm like, okay, well, what, why? Like, I didn't really understand it because, you know, it's... it's Actually, you know, the easiest way to explain it is it's the inverse of a rosé. So all the phenolics, all the color, all the texture is in the skin of the grape. So when you make red wine, if you press it right away, you're making a rosé. So a rosé does not taste like a red wine. So, um, you know, when you're making an orange wine, you're including all the phenolics that are in the skins, the texture, the color. That's why you get the orange color. Some, you know, we make a Vermentino, it has very little color in the skin. So it's, it's, uh, it's still called orange wine, but it's really light in color. Falangina has a ton of color in the skin. So it actually has this beautiful orange hue. But now if you're, if you're, yeah, it looks like an orange hue. It looks like if you were to have maybe like a, a 30 year old Chardonnay or something like it, it's yeah. got like literally like an orange but color. It, of course you can still read through it, but it's not oxidized, but at it's all. not oxidized at all. It's right. super fresh. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's to me, it's the true expression of the grape. I mean, you're getting the, the true flavor of this grape and 
you know, we make a Falangina and we make a Fiano that, w- that are not orange wine. They go in the press right away. You press it. You know, you get this, you know, beautiful, crisp white wine. But to me, it's kind of boring compared to the orange version because the orange version, you get the whole world of what's in this grape. So, you know, and what they say is they, this is how they used to make white wines like for all time in the old days, like the Roman times and the and the Greek times. And, you, you know, you can think that's how they used to do it. I mean, so, I mean, what we're doing is not some novel it's become trendy, but it's, it's kind of a cool thing. And I drink tons of these wines from Italy. I, I, I think they're awesome. What so. is that passage from say, okay, I'm going to do a wine, put a little skin contact on it versus, okay, we are crossing the threshold and now making it an orange wine. I, I think it's more keeping the skins in contact until fermentation's done or beyond being done. So you know, with a lot of white wine makers will have a day or two of skin contact just for complexity and color. And, um, but you know, what's interesting now is since I've been doing orange wine for such a long time and with so many different grape varieties is I even experiment, you know, I've gone as long as six months on the skins. I've gone as, you know, a month I've gone four days and, and I'll actually keep this stuff separate and maybe the short skin contact will go into a white blend to give it a little more... Mouthfeel? Yeah, mouthfeel, texture, just intrigue. Um, but that could also go into a longer-term skin contact just to moderate some of the heaviness. Because, you know, I want I want all our wines to be balanced and very food-friendly and fresh. And that's... Uh, now you mentioned trendy, but there are so many cool things about wine and trends, whether it's like pet nat, carbonic this, carbonic that, orange wines. I mean, people especially were looking at the habits of, you know, not even millennials anymore, but now Gen Z in a big way. Yeah. And there, as long as they can like sign off in their head and heart that they like where it's coming from, they want to try new things, don't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, and I do too. You know, I want to I want to try new things in the cellar, so it's it's perfect for me because you know I mean wine sales have have slowed a little bit nationally, but you know I'll tell you making wines like this and Petnat and Carbonic, the wines sell so fast. Keeps it keeps it exciting. I have to I have to beat them away by with a (laughs) stick. No more orange wine. Sorry, you're gonna have to move on to something else. I want to talk about where we are in a second, but I want to welcome Justin. Justin, it's so nice to see you again, my man. What is going on? Uh, We're just happy to be here. We're happy to be here. We love wines like this. It's funny story. You know, when we first moved up here uh, from LA, Brian was one of the first guys we met at at Edo. And, you know, we told him about what we wanted to do, open up a wine shop. We wanted to find cool wines, and he was the first guy that had the cool wines. You know, people weren't really doing orange wines when we, when we opened up, and we wanted to find the pet gnats. We wanted to find the orange wines and the carbonics, the hard to find. And then, you know, to take it a step further, you know, people who focus on sustainable practices, and that's what you guys do. That's what they do at Edo, you know, organic farming organic you know process in the vineyard and after the vineyard and it was important to us when we opened up so we fell in love with uh, all of uh the Giornata line and especially the uh Rango Tango we've had fun with it at the at the shop we've made 
you know, specials off of this. Now, is this like a BTG thing? Can you do BTG orange wine, or do you need to yeah. go buy the bottle? How do you go? You know what? What's cool about orange wine is because most people will be shy to it. They don't know what it is, right? That's what's good about the city is L.A., San Francisco. People are open to these things. They're like, yeah, I want to try that wine. That's cool. It's different. But here, you know, if you're, if you're staying in the lane of passing what we offer here, it's new. So we opened it up to them. You know, we would we would pour this by the glass just to have a nice. taste of it. And they would say, I'll take a glass. Cool. And then when we would take Brian's ravioli and make a parent on this, they fell in love. It was, nice. like, it was like perfect synergy. You know, we had you on the podcast before with uh, Diego from Finca. And we had such a fun time. Your food, that food was great. Fantastic. It's been one of those places as far as like food stops where my Insta DM inbox is still full with questions and like, what was that one place? You know, and I know that so many people that love the podcast have, when they make their visit, they come out to pass a wine merchant. Hopefully they're lucky enough to get there on a Wednesday because that is like a who's who of what is going down in Paso on like 19th and 20th right there on spring. So how is how has Paso Wine Merchant been? How has it been since the podcast? Tell me. Things have been great. Things have been great. Um, we're still continuing with our Winemaker Wednesdays. It's been a huge local community place where people can come and get together. Uh, we get to focus on, you know, supporting new upcoming winemakers who don't have a tasting room. And we get to have fun with those nights too. So this, this coming Wednesday, for example, we have... Uh, an Oktoberfest featuring all German wines. So we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to move away from Paso, but we're going to have a you know, great night. It's going to be industry But night. you have a lot of industry heavy. You were industry heavy. Like, I could see, oh, there's Maggie from Alta Kalina. Mm-hmm. There's Riley from Hubba. Like, it's, it's such a cool kids club there. And they love things like that that are not all Paso. So I think that's smart. They love it. They love it. And, and we get to offer something new. Yeah. You know, and something fun. And, and, and it's a great place for people to get together and try new things. And I hope that people, I hope that people came in and said they heard you from the podcast because I know that there was a lot of people that were really, you know, hot on you guys after that. Uh, what are we doing now as far as cuisine? Uh, what are some of the latest things going on with Paso Wine Merchant? Well, still focusing on hyper-focused local food, um, everything from our fresh oysters from Morro Bay that we do. Thanks to Brian. He's making us, uh, I don't know, we one of the only ones right now outside of, you know, the, the shop where you can yeah, get a ravioli. Yeah. You're the one. You know, besides your restaurant that I'm sure we'll talk about. But, yeah, so Brian made us a butternut squash ravioli right now. Ooh. And, you know, brown butter sage sauce. We serve it with uh, thyme, parsley, rosemary, pistachio gremolata, some crispy sage, lemon oil. And it's, it's great, you know, paired back to the local wines here. Now, I remember you when your cuisine before, I didn't feel like it was a full-on restaurant. It was limited, but there was a lot of things there. You got your grilled cheese. You got your pasta. You had some stuff. Have Are we trying to keep it the same? I mean, you only got so much room back there. What has been like your idea of like, okay, and I know we got some cool news to talk about, mm-hmm. and we're not going to spoil that just yet, but... How has it been like, okay, people are coming here. They do we have to measure how much they want to bite and eat, but I do want to give it to them. I do want to bring out some cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, we just, we, our whole philosophy is, is, is local. You know, we buy everything from the farmer's market. We, we, we focus on our relationships with the farmers. We're getting out of tomato season right now, which we came off of our burrata toast, which is really popular. But we just use uh, simple ingredients. We focus on things that, you know, we're passionate about at the shop and I get to have fun with it. We don't have a big operation, 
but we get to, you know, be creative in the kitchen with our pastas and our salads and grilled cheese sandwiches that are super popular. Do the grilled cheese, I've tried to get like, I'm just going to try what Justin does at the, at the crib. And like, I don't, are, do you, is it just butter on the outside? Just butter. Mayonnaise, not just yeah, not butter. Just it's butter. butter. And I don't know if it's a low, 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 low heat. How do you get the cheese, like literally for a grilled cheese, it is so perfect inside and so perfect outside, but you can only have one side and let's use like a George Foreman or something. You can only have one side touching at once. I don't know what you were doing, but you guys have mastered the gourmet grilled cheese sandwich. No, we do. We have something that hits both sides, but more importantly, nice. it's it's the, the local bread, you know, Yes. Um, out, of, out of Los Osos, you know, the cheese. Who, by the way, who is it? Sasquatch Bakery. Cool. Great. Yeah. Great. The cheese, you know, really good cheese. Um, we make our tomato jam in house, everything in house. Pickles are in house now. We really just try to keep everything in house that we can make. Good for you, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just, just real quick. It's funny. Cause when, you know, I remember when Justin and Julie moved up here and they came into Eto and, and sh- shopped and we got to know each other. He, you know, coming from LA, he actually introduced me to farmers that I didn't even know about that he knew about in LA from Paso like Moon X and like, mm-hmm. you're like, oh dude, you don't know about And yeah. I was like, how do you know about this? So one of the best <laughs> tomatoes that you can find in our backyard, maybe one restaurant in Paso knew about this place and they've been around for 30 years. And so when I was down in LA, I would shop the farmer's market. And Which one would you go to? I'm curious. The Santa Monica one. Yeah, of course. And you're talking like the best of the best, you know, from Rustic Canyon, AOC, you know, all, all the best, best restaurants would buy these tomatoes. So the first thing that I did when I came up here is buy the tomatoes. We put that on a broad toast, and people would just come in, and they would just be blown away. Is there anything better than a tomato in season? I mean, it's, it's just be- like, oh. Well, I mean, I don't eat them out of season, so it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. fiance started me on that. She's like, no, I'm not going to order them because they're not in season. I'm like, well, but then you, you get it. You get it. It's the same thing for mushrooms. Once you have a good mushroom, it changes everything. Can we talk about Mighty Cap for a second? Mighty Cap. Mighty Cap Mushrooms, Chris Battles. I got to get him my on the man. podcast. He's been on my morning show. <laughs> yeah. But like, man, this guy, he changed my game because I was never into mushrooms. And then I took a tour up at his new spot and watched what an impeccable, meticulously clean, dialed in atmosphere he has got going on. And all you got to do is like take one of those lion's mane mushrooms and it rips apart like crab meat, little oil, put it with literally anything. And I am now at my age, a mushroom fan. I mean, talk about the restaurant, Brian. Yeah. Well, so yeah, that's our number, number one, one, number one pasta dish is the mighty cap mushroom yeah. pasta. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, lasagna is number one, but your lasagna is bomb, 20, by the way. 20 other pastas on the menu or 15 or something. And That's what I got Whitey last Cap time. Cap is number one, and it's not even close. So, yeah. And I've known Chris. Again, like I, uh, Chris, when he started, me and his wife used to work out together. And that's how I got to know him. And she would bring mushrooms into the gym. And I'd be like, oh, these are amazing. Well, you know, they were growing them in their garage. Yeah. And, and I'm like, well, if you ever want to sell them, I'll buy them at Eto. And eventually he he had the production and i said you know come set up on the weekends and you can just sell them out front of the store no way. and and a couple of employees were like you're not going to take any money i said no man he you know i want i want to see oh. you know and he's such a marketer he's so good with social media he's a hustler he's good and, and he's and he knows so many people um and we've had his mushrooms 
I mean, I'd like to say we were the first, but but we've had them ever since then. Well, now like every Michelin star place in Paso, every oh, Michelin yeah. mentioned place yeah. here gets Mighty Cap. If you are, and that, I'm talking from like Los Alamos to wherever, if you are a restaurant worth your weight, you get Mighty Cap. Yeah, I think I I just talked to him because we're we're sharing data because I sell pasta to restaurants too, and he said uh, he's got like 130. So I, um, I'll get hats from his lovely wife, Summer. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and if, you lo- if you like custom-made hats, go to Paso Robles Mom on Insta. I love Summer. I want to give her a shout-out. But check out Mighty Cat Mushrooms on Insta, too. But anyways, I was picking up some hats. And I've known Chris a long time when he would do, like, um, the old, like, um, fishmonger dinners with, like, Spencer and stuff right. here locally. But so he goes, dude, come, on, come here, come here. He takes me into the garage. And, like, right next to the water heater, it's like, you know, it looked like where I was walking into, like, an episode of Breaking Bad. It's all the plastic hanging, keeps it all, like, integrity right. And he's like, dude, we're growing this, we're growing that. Right now, you can go to Mighty Cat Mushrooms, go to the website. You can buy kits. And yeah, literally just slit a knife down yeah, the side and, and, and grow them in your home. So these mushrooms yeah. that you're talking about, how about next time you're hanging out at Paso Wine Merchant or you're hanging out at Edo, yeah, order the dishes. But how about create these mushroom dishes in your home with Mighty Cap? It's so cool. Yeah, no, I mean, what Chris has done, I mean, I, I think Justin and I, you know, the reason I, I actually wanted to do this show with Justin is we very much share the same philosophy. And when we see something cool i mean i'll tell him about it and and he does the same he's like oh man like he gets really excited about you know somebody growing a pumpkin or you know whatever it is just <laughs> right like, sure hey you, you know and uh, i mean i think we all should get excited about that but but not everyone does and and i think we share this like love of interesting food projects and um and, and you know that's what we're creating ourselves so it's pretty awesome before we get it oh go ahead please. yeah we were talking about the other day somebody came in and you know my background in cooking is i started six years ago didn't go to culinary school i i tell people i cook off of passion and i tell people i care about tomatoes i care about carrots i go to these farmers and create relationships and i take take these the you know a carrot or whatever it is and i care about it and then you can take that and you can transform it into, into whatever you want you know I love that you say relationships because I remember doing a thing at Cal Poly. I was talking to the journalism students and it was like, you know, they, somebody asked me such great questions about networking. And yes, important networking. I don't even carry business cards anymore. It's like, it's like relationships. You build relationships. And Justin, you've done that, man. You have yeah. not been here that long. You build relationships, dude. Yeah. I mean, look, like Brian was saying, he would have Chris pop up at his shop and not take any money. Bread bike, brown, Bread you bike. know, someone's, someone's daughter who makes macaroons, you know, and, and that collaboration, that spirit is what we love about Paso. <clears throat> and so we took that from the onset and we started the winemaker Wednesdays with Darren Delmore. Nice. Delmore I Wines. love Darren. And it's the spirit of like, you know, you're in farming and, 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 you know, growing grapes. And if you needed a tractor, your, your neighbor would give you the tractor and, so we we took that spirit and we and we we ran with it. We saw it as an opportunity to, from being from the outside, we get to build roots with this community, and that's what we came here for in the first place. Yeah, good on you, man. And and Brian was doing it, and so we would have these conversations about, you know, what we were finding and what we were discovering and what we we're into. You know, you you got a Brian here who who who's making an orange wine, like 
we needed to find orange wine and he was doing it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just about, you know, we have goals, we have visions, we know what we want, you know, we aim, we aim high, but you know, these things excite us, you know, food excites me. Brian loves probably everything under yeah. the umbrella. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Food, wine. <laughs> yeah. And these guys are pioneers, you know, they've been doing it for a long time. We just got here. And so we have to also, you know, follow their footsteps because success leaves clues and these guys are doing it successfully. And it's whatever he, look at, we can talk about his pasta. I mean, talk about your pasta. Where did you start with that? Dude, before yeah, you, no, you know no, what I, I was going to say, I love what you just dropped there. Success leaves clues. Take that away from this podcast. Yeah, well, you know, I think before we talk about pasta, I mean, when I first moved here, you know, it was close to 20 years ago. And, you know, I became friends with, you know, the Ducies who have been here for how many generations? I don't, I don't Five know. Five maybe, yeah. I don't know. And, and they could have easily said, you know, who's this carpetbagger? Like, you know, and, and you know, Justin Smith's of the world and, and, and all these guys who are legends, you know, and, and, and they were so... Um, just open and sharing and, uh, you know, welcome me into this community. And um, that's how I feel. And, you know, the first time I met Justin and Julie, I could see they had something really special. And it excited me because... Isn't that neat? Because you've been here a minute. Like, what, you've, yeah. I've had that pleasure of interviewing you a bunch, but you saw something new in this couple that came up here and was just... It, it, you saw their light. Yeah. And it lit you oh, up. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I you know, just just what they brought to me. I mean, they didn't come like, hey, we want a bunch of information so we can be successful. They they actually brought stuff to me that I that that made my business richer, and um, you know, it's very generous. And and uh, no, I mean, to me, that's what a small community is all about, and and that's what Paso, you know, what makes Paso great. And you know, I I love. Uh, Love that interaction and collaboration. So, yeah, I know at one point he almost hired my wife. Is that I right? Tried to. <laughs> he, he tried I tried to. I couldn't afford her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she had a she had a really strong retail background. Yeah. Um, like that's what she went to college for, and I have no retail background. So, I uh, has that been a hard curve for you? Figure that out. Uh, yes and no. I yeah. mean, I always say. I mean, I just build what I love. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like. The Eto store is is really all things that I love, and um, I've had some people recently working for me that have really strong retail skills, and they've been moving stuff around and telling me all the things that I've kind of done wrong. Which I'm like, great, go for it. I I don't know, like give it a try, and uh, I I don't have time to replace everything in the store, but um, but yeah, no, I I think it's it's. Uh, it's working out well. Now, before know. we get into where we are, I want to talk about Harvest 23. What What are we seeing? Because we're still in the thick of it. What yeah. are we seeing? What are we experiencing? What you got to let well, us know about? Well, yeah, I had two two uh, two of my three employees in the winery last week were were off work, so I I was. Uh, you were swamped last week. It was about the busiest. I couldn't week. even get I couldn't even get a text back from you last oh, week. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, last week, um, everything in the winery. I'd say every winery in Paso right now except a couple, I won't name names, is probably completely full and wondering how they can empty their fermenters to bring in more fruit. The storage is an issue. Yeah, a huge issue because from what I'm seeing, so everything was late, right? A few weeks late, but then everything caught up. 
pretty darn quick. And, and then it was like, oh my God, like now everything's going to be ready at once, which we've had happen before, but this is particularly crazy. And what I'm starting to see now and what I've seen the last few weeks is everything's heavy. So everything's coming in bigger than normal. Oh, wow. And, and we have a lot of, you know, we have our home vineyard and vineyards where we just get blocks of fruit. And, you know, I look at history and I'm like, wait, we got three extra tons here. We got two extra tons here. We got all these bins seem very full. What's going on? And people are asking, hey, do you want some more grapes? We've got, you know, so it's it's been uh quality is amazing. I mean, I can tell you, you know, this is a winemaker always says it's the best vintage ever. I know, right? Quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I can truly say this for me personally, I think this will be the best vintage I've ever had in Paso going back to 2005, which is the first time we got grapes here. So I think this will be the best vintage, knock on wood. I could still screw it up. It's but. so funny. I hear people saying this, and even in Santa Barbara County, slow... And yes, last year we heard a lot of problems of the heat, and it yeah. was like this. It's really going to be like, what do they say, like a winemaker's vintage, right? Yeah, last what, year was rough. What kind of fingerprint can we put on it to like fix what Mother Nature and the, the heat and all the problems that we had, right? But then this year I hear it's really a farm, I mean, because of the rain, we had a lot going on. It's really going to be a wine grower's vintage. And if you manage your canopies, manage your fruit, people are seeing some of like what you just said. I've heard it. The best fruit they have seen. Best fruit ever. Rivaling I mean, 20. 21, rivaling 19, rivaling 07. Yeah. Like really, like even better, even better. I mean, for me, which is, is going to sound funny, like I'm just being contrary, but 11 was my favorite vintage. It's so interesting because if someone's listening, 11 was a cooler, yeah. uh, wetter vintage. We had a big frost in like April 11th, I want to say, and it caused a lot of people drama. But I will always say, and this has come up in this podcast, you will find some of the best aged wines out yeah. of Paso, 11. Yeah, for me, you know, the biggest struggle for me, because, you know, I, I make wines that are very balanced, food-friendly. You know, my alcohols are anywhere from like 12.5 to 14.5. That's that's typically where I am. You know, white's obviously lower. High acid, good with food. Yeah, good acid. Um, but balance, you know, I really want balance. And it's can be very tricky. Like 2022 was very difficult. Um this vintage is a dream. I mean, it's like perfect. I mean, the numbers are perfect. Everything, you know, I was just over, we were pressing today, Barbera. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's, everything's just like perfectly where we want it to be. When you see so. tonnage that is more than you expected, you already know the program you want to run with. Do you like get on the phone and say like, hey, who needs some extra fruit? I did that and someone said, yeah, right. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I called my buddy Joe Barton who said. Oh, uh, Joji? He yeah, doesn't want call, bar, he doesn't want any of your Barbera. He, no, it was uh, Vermentino. He's like, hey man, uh, you know, doing more whites. We already shared some stuff this year, so I called him. I'm like, hey, I got a bunch of extra Vermentino, and he'd already taken some Vermentino that, you know, we were working on together. And I was like, he's like, I'm like, it's in my cellar right now. You want to ready to go, baby? Come on, tie your name you, on it. Give you a good price. I'll give and you a like, little red box of Vetto to take with like, it. He's like, let me see. <laughs> let me talk. Uh, let to me talk crew. to Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, sorry, bro. I'm I'm kind of kind of tapped out. So. Yeah. And I, you know, I get. Do you guys it. ever trade grapes like even trade or no? Does that happen in this biz? I haven't done that, but I could see that. Could like, work. hey, I got two tons of X. You got two tons of that. You just want to swap. 
I don't know. I mean, it could work. I'm I'm going to take some stuff from Chris Ferrara later this week. If you so know Chris, you, so you mentioned Joe Barton, of course. Barton Family Wines, Gray Wolf. Yeah, Chris Ferrara. Let people know. Uh, classy, right? Yeah. So we sh- we share fruit. He he works with mostly Italian grape varieties mm-hmm. too. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get a. Look. He's he's got some stuff that's hanging really heavy and, right across the street from Bella Luna. And- yeah. So he he's like called my wife Steffi and said, "Hey, I've got some extra fruit." And I'm like, really? <laughs> and then she's like, come on, it, you know. So we're, she, she loves bringing in more stuff. And I'm always like, okay, then we got to sell it, right? Is she so. the one that wants to bring it in? You're like, whoa, 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 what are we going to Yeah, do? <laughs> yeah. She's like, just a few tons. I'm like, no, like maybe a ton. Let's do you ever think like, okay, well, there's extra. Let's try another skew. Let's try another funky wine. Let's, something that will get we've, people we've, lifting their eyes. We got, going, a, hmm? we got a lot of skews. We yeah. Got a lot of, I mean, uh, you know, it's. Yeah, that's that could be a whole nother show. Is that a pain in the butt to like add another skew, or sometimes just the the vision and the desire to try something fun? It's worth it, or is it almost like that's that's a pain in the butt? Pet nat's a pain in the ass to make because that we're you know, pet nat for someone who doesn't know we're talking petulant natural. Yeah, it's really the first way ever to make sparkling wine where primary fermentation is done in that bottle. Correct. Yeah, that's it's tough. a pain, it's a pain. So the, the you know the two guys working with me this harvest. One of them moved up from L.A. from uh, Silver Lake, right? Silver Lake Wines. He worked there five years. Total hipster wine. He's he loves Petnat, and he you know they all, bought they him at your place. Yeah, right. So LA he's like Petnat. he's like we got a new Petnat, and I, so I'm like okay. So he doesn't know how to make wine. So he's never worked in wine. I've made Petnat. It's it it sucks. It's tough, and the bottle it's, variation is tough too. It sucks. I mean. So I said, okay, we're going to call my buddy Mike Siner. <laughs> oh, my. We're going to see. He is the best, though. We're going to see if I he love has Mike time, Siner. Which he made time. Oh, and man. And we spent like three hours, and he walked, uh, you know, Shane and Tyler through his entire pet net experience. That is so cool. How to his make His pet net's it. good. I, oh, call his, I, call, I call his love net because it's, it's this rose. He calls but, it ancestral. It's bomb. Yeah, he bottles it like before harvest. Yeah. Which is I know. like, I don't know how he does. Like he, he released his this year in like September. Yeah. I was like, how'd you even pick grapes? I know. So, because he's learned though, because I remember like oh, his first year was great. Second year, I remember like, better open that bottle by a sink because it's alive. And then you you learn that bottle variation and the way it comes together. And then you become, you know, I think he even learned. He probably took some tips from like Mikey Juni, yeah. Mikey Juni yeah, from Scar. Yeah. He's been yeah, doing yeah. down a while. There's some yeah. really people who have been doing it, you know, a long time. Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mikey's, um, he's a talented guy. And then you know, Signer, I've known forever, and the best. Anytime I have questions i'm like okay last no one else knows i'm gonna call mike signer and yeah and so we went down his winery by the way signer la valley yeah s-i-n-o-r and then l-a-v-e-l-l-e-e it's his wife's maiden name but another great guy i want people to google him too sure so yeah so he he walked him through the pet net thing and there you know tyler you know who's my assistant winemaker works his butt off he's like I don't know if we want to do that this harvest. That's, <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot to deal with. And that I was, was like, well, but yeah, I'm not going to do it. So it's kind of up to you guys. And it's actually in the pasta factory. The pet hat is sitting right. Really? Cause it, you have to keep it really cold. I mean, it's, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. When's it going to be ready? I need to know. Yeah. We, we, have, pop some on that, we have some that are actually ready. We just have to disgorge. So it's perfect for Thanksgiving. 
Oh, we break it, it out. There yeah, we'll have them for it's things. Yes. It's good for the holidays. Yeah. We love pet nets. Pet nets are fun. And there's so much like, you know, it, yeah, it's, like, it, it's something so ancient. And it's mm-hmm. the way they made sparkling wine back in the day. So you're almost like hearkening back to this like old winemaking style. You mentioned the factory. We are literally never, Brian, has there been a Where Wine Takes You episode done in a pasta factory. We are in a brand spanking new facility in Tin City. Yeah. And we... We're in a pasta factory. Yeah, it's funny. I had uh, some visitors last week. I don't know who sent them here, but they, um, they're Italian winemakers. The uh, young couple, the, the daughter's family has a winery in, uh, what's the, Corsica. No, not, Sard- Sardinia. Oh, my gosh. I the, want to go there so bad. Yeah, well, I'll give you the hookup because <laughs> they have like this 10-generation winery with the grandmother oh. cooks food while you're tasting. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'm, I'm going to come visit. And then the her boyfriend has made wine in Barolo and Umbria. And, and so they tasted our wines and were very complimentary. But then, you know, they want, asked all these questions. I said, you guys want to see a pasta factory? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm gonna, I, I assume they'd seen a pasta factory because they live in Italy. And they're like, we've never seen a pasta factory. So I brought them over no and way. gave them a whole tour, and they're like, "Oh my God, our first pasta factory!" So, you know, it's not a common thing. So we're, you know, I want to know the difference between this, what you were doing before, and then before we even get into like where we are right now, talk about Edo because you went to extreme limits and places and journeyed to find the best way to make pasta. I know people who don't claim celiac, but they are definitely gluten intolerant. They yeah. can literally eat your pasta and they're completely fine. Yeah. Many people. That's not just an anomaly. That's like a thing. Yeah, I don't know anyone who's had a problem eating our pasta. I'm still waiting for that that person. Um, so if that's you... You tell me. But people feel like, but the, but the kind of people, especially in the light of the last like 10, 15 years, like, oh, I can't, like you, this pasta, you can. Yeah, you can eat it. I mean, it's a single ingredient. It's super pure. No additives. No, you know, it's organic, freshly milled flour. And um, it doesn't give people problems. You yeah. know, I, I mean, I could, I could talk about why that is but the problem is I, i'm not a doctor i don't want anyone to get hurt so I'm, I'm pretty careful i say you know it's it's worth a try if your doctor gives you permission it, yeah people can eat our pasta and not have problems what is it about it just in, in the layman's terms that we can what do people experience? i just think it's pure it's you know pure. it's si- single ingredient you know if you look at most pastas in the grocery store they have a big ingredient list and that means they're not using the best flour because they have to add stuff back. It's like overly refined flour. So great example is like Wonder Bread, right? That was invented, I think, during World War II or before World War II. And all these people would uh, were eating Wonder Bread and getting sick, and they didn't know why. And they said, okay, it's overly refined, so it's stripped of nutrients. So people were losing all the nutrients that they used to get in bread. So I don't know who it was... USDA or something made them put niacin and all these other things in Wonder Bread. So now if you buy Wonder Bread, which I'm sure you don't do often, but <laughs> right, I haven't had it in forever. Yeah. But, but there's a list of ingredients and, th- and that's because there were no nutrients in that bread. It was completely <laughs> devoid of any nutrition. Well, why don't people, why don't other people make pasta like this? Because, because it's, it's cheaper. It's cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, our exp- our pasta is very expensive to make. And, yeah. And during COVID, the prices of flour went through the roof, and we actually were losing money for a while, which wasn't fun. But I literally but had a winner on my morning show a couple of weeks ago talk to me about uh, Tin City and pasta. I don't know where the conversation just took a weird turn. It was it was great, but it enabled me to bring you up. And she was like, and I said, look for those red boxes. She didn't live here, but I was like, they're in your stores. Look for that red box. It's going to be a little bit of a premium price, but I promise you, it'll be the best pasta you tasted. She called me afterwards, like two days later, said she did. She loved it. So your your pasta has blown up. Like it's in places. How far widespread can people find Edo Pasta in that red cube? Uh, so we're as far south as uh, L.A. We're in a bunch of Whole Foods down there and some specialty stores. And in the Bay Area, uh, we're, we have stuff in Napa and San Francisco. Do you mail it? Do you ship it? We ship it all over the country. Okay, so you can just yeah, go to Edo Pasta. And- yeah, Edo Pasta Ficho. Just Google Edo Pasta and you'll find it. But we, we ship all over the country. We're actually selling to the schools as far south as um, Santa Maria. Now, this is cool because schools don't have big, you know, obviously schools can't afford to pay like big premium prices, but you are actually, so kids can get this in their mouths because it's better for them than other pasta. Yeah, you we, are giving this at a deal. Yeah, we matched the the price that they were getting the pasta from. And, and it's funny. Why'd you want to do that? Because I wanted to sell more pasta, <laughs> but you wanted to get it. In, I mean, but that's so cool that you wanted to be able to like, hey, well, let's- it, it, it's a lot cheaper to sell in a big bulk. Yeah, like that. I mean, we, you know, we Santa Maria just ordered sixteen hundred pounds from us wow. last week. So, I mean, that's economies of scale are a good thing. Right? And I imagine that the food program managers, the chefs that are in charge of the district, they must just be thrilled that they're oh, working yeah. with a high end yes, pasta. So, yeah, when they used to order before, they didn't actually know what pasta they were going to get. And sometimes it was like a whole wheat barilla, which is is pretty decent, um, which we matched the price of that. Sometimes it was like these, I guess they'd said it's like old army rations that from who knows where or when. And they said the you know, it'd fall apart in the water. Like it just turned into cloudy water. Like there wasn't even (laughs) pasta left. And a lot of these uh, school food people said... We just gave up on pasta, which is sad because for kids, pasta is probably the best food. It's, I mean, most kids love pasta. It's really healthy, you know, complex carbohydrate. We kind of have brought pasta back into the Central Coast school system. We bring in pasta back. Yeah. What do you like about their pasta, Justin? My daughter, she eats it like three, four times a day. (laughs) You know, she's four years old. Yeah. We've probably gone through a thousand pounds since we've opened. You know, we get the fresh pasta weekly from yeah. you guys. We've always used a trombe. People love it. Now the it trombe like a, it looks like a little trumpet. Like trumpet. Yeah. And when you get it right, it's perfect. When you and get, that's a tough one because you yeah. can overcook that one get easy. The, get the cook time right on it. It's perfect. And how it's, do you cook them perfect? How do, how do you get it? Is perfect to you al dente? Al dente. Yeah. And yeah. then how do we get it al dente? What's that What's that like a, what are we looking for? What are we looking for? Are we looking for a certain bite? Is it like meat? Do you do it a little under and then we'll know it's going to cook a little after? What do you do? So al dente will have a little chew to it, a little bite. You know, if it's too much, you still taste the rawness of it. If it's, if it's over, it's too mushy. So it's not easy, you know, if, unless you have a pasta station. We, you know, we boil water, we drop it in for two minutes and that's our clock, pull it out. But there's lots of variables that could throw it off. So you're better off with his pasta. You can just go under. 
You did a big ziti for me one time. Oh, yeah. That was, Nuts. That was, that was good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, I, that, was, that was one of the best pasta dishes I've made. So I mean, it was like, I think it was like three people in the studio. Like, we killed whole, <laughs> yeah, like, no, it was, nine by was, nine. Like, it turned out. I've, I've actually tried to recreate that, and it wasn't as good as the time I made it for you. So that was a special. Yeah. The, the stars aligned. What's the most popular pasta? Like, the shape. Trombe is probably up there. Mezzi rigatoni is popular. Um, That's the tube? Yeah, and what I'd add to is cooking is you you always want to cook less and finish in the sauce because, you know, like let's say the box says cook in seven to nine minutes. I mean, I'll do seven or six and a half, and I always time it like with my watch. That's why having a – that's the number one thing I use my – Watch Apple for. Watch for my Apple Watch. There's seven hundred on Apple Watch. Yeah, pasta time timer watch pasta. Is <laughs> it? You know, it dings me. But but cook it under. I mean, you can taste it. If it's if it's still too chewy, you put it in the sauce, add some pasta water, mix it, and then it'll be perfect. Okay. So, but if it's so, don't overcooked. be afraid. Don't be afraid if your pasta is a little undercooked because we'll get it there. Yeah, you'll put it in the sauce and then you mix it really well. And, and finish it's still your sentence. If it gets cooks. overcooked, what were you saying about that? What if it overcooks? You're done. Yeah, you can't bring it back. Right. So you always want to be under, and and finish it in the sauce and taste it in the in the sauce. And when it's good, then you put it on the plate. Throw some cheese. Your shells are bomb. I love your shells. Oh yeah. Now there. Are, what's cool is the variety of shapes we can make. I mean, we have like twenty, thirty different shapes. We you know we'll keep adding to it probably and. Um, it's expensive to add a shape. I mean, the the dyes that we use. It's like are, a Play Doh fun factory kind of attachment. Exactly. Like for it's me to exactly. add one shape, it's like a new. <laughs> but it's like two thousand bucks. Oh my god! To buy the dye. But you got so. cats and dog pasta. And... Yeah, we made what for Pig Iron in Templeton. They wanted a custom pig pasta. It looks like a little pig. Yeah, so we we did that. But I said you're, I said you're buying the dye, or I'm going to give it to. It's going to be open to the world. And they're like, no, we want to just do it. So I said, okay. So you buy the dye. So buy the attachment. Buy the yeah. thing. Which was cool. They wanted to do it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So now you have like a little pasta with like a couple like ears. And it's like a little pig. And then they, what do they do? It's like a kid's meal? What do they do with it? Yeah. they Well, they do a pig pasta. And then they sell. They have a little mercantile. So oh they sell gosh. bags of it. And, so smart. Yeah. So retail like how has that been for you has it where do you see is it most of the money coming from the restaurants or from what you're doing at the your restaurant where, where do we lose the most money or? yeah right yeah <laughs> where, where, where am i you know it's it's uh the the retail part of our business i think has been um a surprise and and very successful and it has helped fund the growth in the pasta factory because the pasta factory, you know, we're in this new building and it costs a fortune to build. And, but for me to be sustainable, I needed to invest in more equipment, more storage. I I got to know a pasta maker down in LA and this is nothing against her. She's a very nice woman, but I learned pretty quickly that she wasn't willing to invest the money into automation and, the different things that I've invested in at Eto, <clears throat> and you just can't get your prices, your your costs are too high. I mean, it's kind of like beer, right? I mean, you you have to in, invest in the equipment to get your your 
costs right. And you were saying the, 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 the bigger the equipment and your ability to scale, not only did it offer you the chance to bring your prices down, but it, it actually offers you and us better quality. Better quality. How's that? For sure. With small equipment, you're stopping and starting. You know, I, I, I always tell, you know, I have friends and I'm sure you know people and have done this who make wine in a really small scale. You know, you do like a trash can and carboys. It, it's really hard to make good wine. It, you need kind of this certain size, you know, with wine. I think you need at least a ton and a half, five ton ferments. I mean, there, there's things that are kind of sweet spots. And when you're doing small amounts of pasta, you have to start and stop. And every time you start and stop, the the quality changes there, you know, but now we have a line that's continuous. So we, we started, it's the same ingredients, same water, but there's only one start and stop during the day as opposed to 30. And every time you, you have to do that, it's variable. And it, it's, it's hard to explain, but it, the quality difference is, is totally different. I mean, in a, in a good way. I mean, it's, most people wouldn't notice, but, but I notice, and my team is like, wow, these, this pasta is perfect. It's so consistent. Um, and, uh, Maybe it's not as artisanal because there's not as many weird cuts and stuff, but but if the quality's better, that's so all you and your wife have of course Giornata in Tin City. Yeah. We have Edo the restaurant. Yep. Which, Edo Pasta Bar. How often are we open there? Uh, seven days for lunch, five nights for dinner, just closed Tuesday, Wednesday. Do you ever see Tin City opening up late? I feel like that's the one thing Tin City needs is a nightlife. There's talks that that's going to happen. Yeah. There's some people working on some stuff back here that they want to go later. I mean, we, we, uh, our last seating, uh, is eight o'clock on Friday, Saturday, mm -hmm. and we'll get eight o'clock tables. And, uh, so those guests are there till 10 a lot of times. Oh, cool. So, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. But I mean, we have people lined up at five. Wow. We, we are, we had a server from Brazil and, why are these people eating at five o'clock? And I yeah. said, well, it's not Brazil, you know. <laughs> now the store next door to the pasta bar, I've been a big fan of for a long time because you can go in there, grab some quick things, refrigerator, you can grab your pastas. I grab, I, you have a couple, couple gravies there uh, that were incredible that we use. Uh, the ramen, is that still a hot thing once a Tuesday a month or something or what? Yeah, that's every uh, first Thursday of the month. Yeah, the ramen's good. I mean, it, it has its following it's not i mean it's it, you know it's this instagram world we're living in when you do something new i'm sure justin experiences this like people get really excited but then it's not new anymore so you know and i used to experiment and do a lot of new things and try to get you know new new guests in with experimental stuff and i mean now it's we're kind of rolling and we have all these locals who i mean it's become a staple for a lot of families. So I don't want to say we're not creative anymore, but we're not. Well, you found pushing. your groove. You found your groove. Yeah, you find what's working and you were working with it. I think like, like Justin, what really excites me now is finding more incredible local ingredients. Like we're, we, we actually have some new farms that are, I mean, they want to plant anything we want. Like they're just, they're so excited to work with us. And, and, they're selling stuff in LA. They're selling stuff. This one farm shipping stuff to New York, which is crazy, like big boxes because New York can't get stuff in the winter. So 
And they're like, we'll sell this stuff to you for half the price or less than we sell it in LA. God, we're so lucky here, aren't we? And and, I'll, and and I'm happy to share all that with yeah. Justin too. I mean, it's, um, but you know, I, I think Justin and I are very much the same, like that seasonal, local, hyper fresh, it, that's what excites me. And it doesn't sound super sexy, but when you to eat me it fresh local food, oh. it's the best thing in the world. Yeah. We are rolling the curtains back on a brand new restaurant downtown, even more downtown. Like we're going the other side of like the park. You're going to be around 8th Street in a really cool spot. What can we say? What what has not been announced? What can we break right now? And what can I dig out of you as far as this new great news? I'm excited for you and Julie. Yeah, thank you. No, we're excited too. So it's, it's just something that we've 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 been kind of we've had our eye on for for a couple of years now. It's this great project just south of the square, standalone. Um, it's going to be something definitely unique to Paso. And for us, you know, we really really want to expand our culinary program. Uh, we love it's a full-on restaurant. Full restaurant, dude. So it's so going to be lunch and dinner. It's going to be dinner to open. We're going to run Wednesday to Saturday night dinner, and then we want to do an amazing brunch on Sunday. Okay. Like something that you want to go to. What is we your idea of some yeah. sexy brunch menu items? Oh, uh, we're we're some not we're not, we're not even there yet. We're no. not. Come on, you and Julian talk a little. <laughs> Give me one little nougat, a little creamy nougat of what would be a fun brunch item, even if it's not just anything. You know, you know, we're all about like you know. For me, you know, a really great baked egg dish. Oh, see, you know, okay. with some great country bread coming out. Yes. Uh, you know, grilled perfectly on the plancha. You know, baked eggs. Um, you know, we can toss in there some squash. You can throw some, you know, bacon in there. You know, how about some, you know, really good, really good uh, pancakes on the menu? Love um, this. Some ricotta, you know, lemon pancakes. What about dinner? What do you feel like your dinner cuisine? So for dinner, what we're going to focus on, so we focus right now a, a vegetable forward menu. You know, that's that's the star of our and, restaurant. And it's funny because, let me interrupt you really quick, because a lot of people, we don't want to call you a vegetarian restaurant, because I would hate for someone who, like me, mm-hmm. loves proteins yeah. to feel like they should be dissuaded by a place like yours, because your, your place is the bomb. But if you are a person who is choosing to eat this way, this is a haven. If you are a person who chooses to eat like me, your place is still a haven for great food. Absolutely. I just want to get that out there yeah. before you talk about vegetable forward. I've, I've taken... Sorry to cut cut you off, but I've no. And he knows this. I've taken so many people in, into his restaurant. I I love it. It's my favorite lunch spot. But he, even for dinner, and people that are super into meat. Yeah. And and we have an, an amazing meal. And I go, did you notice there wasn't meat on the menu? No. I, did you miss it? No. Yeah. Right. It's the local seasonal. It's it's their approach. Yeah. You don't miss not having meat. You don't. I, I love meat and proteins but i also you, yeah i also don't need to eat too much of it so <laughs> right, and i love what they're doing all right please go ahead dinner cuisine uh, brian's right you know we focused right now i think i think we need to have more vegetables in the menu to begin with you know and, and do them right and for for me to expand on the proteins will be something new but something that i'm excited about and the the way i approach it too on the protein side whether it's duck cone feed you know a steak scallops we we want to make sure that we're we're sourcing them from the from the best place possible and also the format size too i feel that as we can you know when we consume food you know for me protein should be in a small format unless we're celebrating so for celebrate we can go big i know brian loves steak you got the the big steak over there but for me it's more small 
small, uh, you know, format proteins. And then we're celebrating. We can bring out the big stuff. But a place that when we're eating, we're all eating together. So the concept, if you took, if you took, a, you know, our wine bar restaurant vibe that we have that that you know people love, and you put it into a restaurant setting, you still create that same hospitality, that same experience, and the menu is meant to be shared. Killer cheese and charcuterie program. You know, out the gate, you got to get the cheese and charcuterie program. We want to source some of the best charcuterie, the best cheeses, just to start off. Um, again, continue with an amazing selection of salads, vegetable forward dishes, and some amazing proteins. And then we'll throw some dessert in there, too. I can't wait. Do we know what we're going to call this beautiful spot? Not yet. We don't know. We can't, <laughs> Not we yet. can't say yet. Okay. Not yet. When we do. Let's stay tuned. Okay. Can we say where it is? So right now, we're still. Um, uh, well, we can share a little bit of that about it. You know, okay. we're still waiting on permits, so you know that's a whole. Uh, or even though, how about like not exactly where it is, but what it looks like, what yeah. it, it, what the structure is. It's gonna be it's gonna be a standalone house. It's a it's a wow. it's a it's a hundred year old house. It's gonna be um, it's gonna have a wraparound porch, so we're gonna have indoor outdoor seating. No way. Um, we want you to come in. You want we want you to. Feel, you saw what Finca was doing. You're like we got to. Finca hit it out, out the park <laughs> with, with Finca. You know, it's this old you know historical house. You know, indoor outdoor. Good for you, casual. Julie, so our, this is so great. you know our, our vibe too though is. It's similar to the wine merchant, so yeah. it's casual, it's rustic, okay. farm to table. So we, we want to continue that. So my food, the way I cook, I, uh, you know, Brian will tell you, you, know, you take the, the ingredients and, and whether it's whatever they are, and I, I present them in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that it makes sense, but it's in a very rustic style. How did you learn how to cook? Did you read like Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat? That's like, a good book. Yeah, it's a great book. And book. If you ever wanted to just, like get a little bit better in your kitchen. It's a must book. We have it at the house too. But I mean, what? Because you are not. And I love people. I think of like Rachel Ponce here, or people. Yes, you have the 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 Julian Aseos, mm-hmm. and we have some great people who are classically trained. And God bless. I'm so thankful yeah, they're yeah. here. But to have a, a Rachel Ponce, to have a Justin Fisher, who are just, uh, you know, they're they're trained from their own experience. It's magical. It's so fun. Yeah, we love we love both of them. They're both, you know, our friends and mentors and we do lots of collaborations with Rachel at the restaurant at the wine merchant. And, you know, I, I cook off of experience, something that I've had. I cook off inspiration. So we're constantly studying cookbooks. You know, especially with what we do, people for our winemaker Wednesdays, people come in with Italian. You know, Brian wants us to do all Italian food. So, you know, someone uh, has a you know Greek Greek wine. They want us to do Greek food, Peruvian, you know whatever it is. We just just we study it and then we we, we present it. In the now there's only one way. Justin Fisher. There's only one Julie. What are we gonna do? Are we gonna get a chef to do your cuisine down there? How you're gonna, gonna come join us? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, you know the the wine merchant. It's a smaller. It's it's a, it's a complimentary program. The food program complements the wine program. Yeah. So so that will maintain. Small cube. Are you going to be in the kitchen at the new spot? I'll be at the kitchen at the new spot. Damn. Yeah. Chef Justin, yeah. my man. Yeah. That we're, is we're, so you know, exciting. Yeah. He, he's figured out how to teleport. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. Even though it's only like, you know, 11, 12 blocks, he's going to do it. No, so, it's exciting. You know, Brian, you know, he, look what he's created. I, I remember when, it's incredible. when like, your it's pasta a, machine yeah, was in, in the shop. Yep. And that's the only place that he made the pasta in the shop. And we used to buy it from there. And now, obviously, we're in the. Willy Wonka pasta factory. Right. But, you know, we're obsessed. We're passionate. We're inventive. We, we want to keep growing. We want to keep evolving. 
we feel, my wife and I, we feel this is a natural step for us um, to go into a restaurant. We feel that this is another way for us to share our passion and share what we want to do for the community. Yeah. And so, you know, it's going to be a lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of work. I'll mention the the episode number, and I I did in the narrative getting into this, but I'll mention the episode number that we had you on the first time so you can meet Julie because your lovely wife was uh, on that episode too. But we really got to know you and meet you guys. It's really cool what you guys are doing at Paso Wine Merchant. The Paso Market Walk is like, and we see the this, you know, it's cool because it can take a big footprint, which are now it's hard to see a big footprint like this in downtown areas get swallowed up because you know businesses oh, you look you look downtown san luis obispo it's like you got ross beverly's clark shoes like there's so many big footprints but when you have a big footprint like you do a paso market walk you have a lot of different artisans different producers that are all doing their own thing and it's really fun to get a taste of paso just between 19th and 20th streets you guys were bookended with finca on the other side you and in bloom and what you're doing i mean i love how the industry has just completely wrapped their arms around what you're doing so if you want to go see like a who's who of like what's going on. Paso Wine Merchant is the place. If you're here midweek, God bless you. One, it's less crowded. Two, you get to go to Paso Wine Merchant on a Wednesday and you're going to rub shoulders with like the people who are making things happen right now. And then Brian, my God, every time I talk to you, I feel like the last time it was during COVID and you were just completely growing and blossoming every single time we chat. It's so cool to see what Edo's doing with Giornata in the wine program. I mean, it's it's nuts. Did you ever think that you would almost, I mean, you've got to be spending more time on the pasta than you are with the wine. Am I wrong or what? It, it, you know, it's it's funny funny you ask that. I mean, it's it's what you would think, but to be honest, the wine is is so much more complicated and there's so many more variables than than the pasta. I mean, the pasta took a long time to figure out. I mean, you mentioned, you know, I went to Italy. I visited all these pasta factories. I took what I liked out of this one and that one. And But once I got that program figured out, I, I have an amazing crew. I, I have a guy working for me named Rob who worked at Firestone uh, Walker, the brewery, for five years. Food science from Cal Poly. He um, ran the... Or, actually started the quality control lab at Firestone. And I mean, he is really on top of things here. And without him, I'd be in a world of pain, but he makes my life really easy because let's you focus on the wine. He lets me focus on the wine, focus on the restaurant, focus on the market. While the pasta is really, really important. He's so much far beyond what needs to happen to keep things consistent and perfect that, you know, I, I, we talk every single day, we check in, if there's anything I, you know, usually it's like, oh, there's nothing to worry about. Everything's cruising along. Um, so, you know, it's, it's more just keeping an eye on everything back here. And this part of Tin City is not for the public, right? I mean, we're not welcome. No, we'll, we'll do some tours. I okay. Mean, we, in time. We've, done a bunch of school tours that's cool at this point and the school kids love i mean you know i think you know that'll be something we'll announce later we'll we'll start doing public tours and have hopefully some kind of food element involved in that um because you know what i learned is people are really fascinated to see how food's made and especially you kids know artisanal love pasta. i love that stuff yeah Big machines and stuff. Yeah, like that. And, you know, and I'm friends with you know Paso Wine Alliance guys and the and the Travel Paso folks, mm-hmm. and and you know they're all looking for 
additional experiences for yeah. families visiting. And, you know, I know my kids, you know, we go to Italy and they're like, you can visit one winery, you know, so we visit one winery <laughs> and we'd like to visit six, but we go to one winery, but the rest of the time we want to do stuff with our kids. So, you know, most people come here, they'll visit wineries, but if they have kids, a pasta factory tour, I think, would be a great compliment to their vacation. So, how can people taste Giornata wines? Uh, just visit our visit our website, make an appointment. You know, we do take walk-ins at the winery, but we prefer appointments because we're we're small and we're super busy. So, G I O R N A T A Giornata. 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 Yeah, just wines. Google Giornata, and you'll you'll find us. And then make sure you taste. Grab this Orango Tango. So good. What are you Is this a Sangio? Yeah, Sangio. Beautiful. Yeah, I just, I brought Sangio because a lot of times, I mean, it's kind of the most mainstream thing we do, but, you know, last year our Sangio got 96 from Robert Parker. It was Damn. the highest scoring Sangio ever made in California. Wow. Sold, sold out Brian. instantly. So Congrats, was, my man. How's, uh, how's your lovely wife, too? She's busy. <laughs> she's, yeah, so she's doing vineyards and she's at the winery a lot. So, and then, and then out in the field and still helping some folks in Santa Barbara with some grapes. So if I ever want to get or someone listening, ever wants to get a Brian Teresi sighting, would it be, would it be at the, the Edo restaurant? Would it be you at the Edo know. store? You never know. It could be anywhere. Yeah. I the just, wine merchant. I'm like a the wine lunch. merchant. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I, I eat lunch at the wine merchant every, usually every other week I go so for good. lunch and I love it. I mean, you know, I, I, I kind of hesitate to tell people about it sometimes. Because you don't want to blow up too much. Because it, it's, I get it. it's really this. busy on Wednesday nights, but I like to go on a day that it's not busy and I can sit in the corner and just hang out and relax. I've and, shared the name and number of the dude who cuts my hair. And now I'm like, I, what do you mean? You're like, it's like two weeks out. You can't get me in. And it's like, I come in and there's a dude that I recommend and he's leaving. I'm like, no. So I get what you mean with these recommendations. You've got to right. be yeah, yeah. few and far between sparingly with them. Uh, how do we find out Paso Wine Merchant? What days do you open? What, what do you? How do we get a wine merchant? Uh, PasoRoboswineMerchant.com. Catch us on Instagram, especially if you want to keep up to date on the events. You can either go to our website or follow us on Instagram. We always post all the events. Tell me something that you are thankful for Brian Teresi about. Well, if my wife was here, yeah, she would say getting our daughter into the children's house in the Tascadero. Yeah. The so school? there's a school that's impossible to get into. Oh my gosh. Brian Teresi pulled and some strings. He did. Damn. Yeah. Well, you got some pull. And Corey, huh? Corey told me I had to. I had to pick you guys because he called me every single day. Well, so here's yeah. Here's the thing. So our, you know, I have twin daughters, as you may know, and you know they went to this Montessori school for up through sixth grade, and it was an amazing school. And all of my friends here are friends from that school, and. And it was just, you know, they're they're both great students. They're in their last year of high school. And when I met Justin and Julie and they were having a kid, I said, hey, look. Uh, and, and Julie's the kind of person who's probably thinking about this from day one. Oh, and yeah. I said, well, and it wasn't that tricky to get into, but sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's not. And I said, you want, you got to get them into this school because it's, it's just amazing. I mean, just the, the community. And I, I knew from your personality it would be the perfect place. So... I, I called Corey, who who runs the school, and said, look. And, and sh she's into fundraisers, and I helped her raise a lot of money when I was there <laughs> through different events and wine events and That's food events. That's huge, though. And I love how it had nothing to do with restaurants or 
pasta. It had to do with his his him and Julie's yeah. child. Well, that that was actually the first place we we sold our pasta was the school no that way. school, and we went in and cooked it every day or once a week for the kids. And you know, a hundred kids will give you a lot of feedback about your. I pasta. bet they will. And it, and it was mostly just. Can we do pasta more than once a week? Yeah. So I kind of knew I had something. <laughs> We're on to something. Yeah. All right, what is something you're thankful for, Justin and or Julie? I mean, I, I'm really just thankful when folks like them take the plunge and move from a place like Los Angeles to a small town. Big market. You know, a lot of people would say, oh, God, what am I going to do there? And, 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 you know, there's a lot of, you know, I don't, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but there's a lot of retirees who move here you know, who've built their careers in these big cities and, and this is like a dreamland. Sure. No. But I'm not saying they don't contribute because they're my customers, but but it's harder for a young family to young couple, young kids, yeah, full steam ahead here they yeah, go. To building a brand here, new life. To move here yeah. and, and, and build something totally new. And that's yeah. what they did is they they didn't just do what everyone else did. Oh, we're gonna start another winery. We're gonna they they really did something different that so cool. contributes to the community and yeah. like their friends at Finca. I mean, that's the same similar kind of story and it's just been amazing yeah. getting to know them. Well, I'm thankful for the both of you. I loved having you on the podcast before. We had so much great feedback. I can't wait to see Julie again. Check you guys out at Pastor Robles Wine Merchant. Follow them on your socials. Get to the website and come visit these folks. Also, Brian, I've been you know lucky enough to have you in studio on the podcast here. I love what you do with Giornato. You literally, I mean, besides Giornato, the wines... I mean, the, the Edo pasta, you've really done, I mean, you've been in this biz a long time here and you are just like, you consistently get better and bigger and more admirable with what you and, and Steffi are doing. It's really exciting. So this to me, I was really looking forward to this and like you guys did not disappoint. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. You know, thanks for taking the time. I know there's a lot of people in this community and, um, you know, Justin and I have been friends for a long time. So it's fun for us to share the stage here so i love it well this is fun right. share where wine takes you appreciate it boom cheers cheers, cheers guys so give me that moonshine we'll be fine we pass on round till the job is done can't die in the trees it will simplify good company Wow, super great. Love both those guys. It's always fun to chat with people who really like each other, really play well off each other. So that was a real treat. Justin Fisher and Brian Terezi. So proud of both those men, their wives, their hard work, and their love for Paso. One hand, Brian and Steffi have been around for over 20 years. The other, Julie and Justin, around for just a couple. I love that. Now, speaking of newness, we have a Travel Paso Spotlight. We are chatting with Ben Meyer, the new GM of the reborn La Cosecha. They're on 12th Street, across from the park downtown, owned as a second restaurant originally by Santos and Carol McDonald after they opened Il Cortile, which still thrives. But recently, this was acquired by some family of theirs, and their mission is to reflect back all the things the place has been doing well. Of course, they were known for their craft cocktail program and more. That's going to evolve, but also dial in this cuisine even more, and they've gotten Ben, who has a ton of experience. He was at Justin when they got their Michelin stars. He came from Chicago. Just a smart and savvy guy. We're going to meet him here. Dude, thanks for coming on the show, Ben. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So La Cosecha is like reborn. It's like new, it's this whole new juju surrounded. And I mean, you come from a great 
there's some great lineage there. There's obviously great history. Santos, Carol, Legends in Paso too. How do you kind of take that ball and then run with it, but then also put your own fingerprint on it? Yeah, so there's been um, just, you know, the absolute highest highs as far as revamping the entire menu, but also um, because it had such a lineage in Paso Robles, you know, we've had to be very careful with guests that, you know, still want to come in and get chili killies and stuff like that. So, but that challenge, you know, it just came from like making sure that staff was informed on, you know, the future vision for La Cosecha without turning any guests off. And that just takes uh, a manager being on the floor, being present. You know, we tore down the whole cover entire Latin America, the whole continent, South America, and it's just Spain and Peru now. And um, that's a much easier thing to focus on because, I mean, Peru alone, you've got Japanese influence, you've got Chinese influence, obviously, North African. And so it gives you a lot of room to play. But like the authentic- authenticity for me, like the most important one was the uh, ceviche had to be Peruvian ceviche where the fish is treated like sushi because of the Japanese influence there. And then the leche de tigre is kept separate until the dish is ordered. And, you know, it just takes the staff being 100% on board and being very proactive with guests. And as soon as guests get the food in their mouth, they're like, okay, you're right. This is better. <laughs> Do you know the only thing that I could, you know, my big complaint with the ceviche? Yeah. I had to share it. <laughs> it was so like good. That. Ceviche was killer. I love the like the crisps that you do with it. They're like these just beautiful chips that you just kind of tear and and go to town, but it just tastes beautiful. And ceviche, like almost, you know, there's certain of these like fish, these seafood aspects or dishes that can be just played up, done so easy. And just, oh, ceviche, it's for, it's the happy hour ceviche. And it's just such a throwaway dish when you, when it gets in front of you, you're like, no, but your ceviche is no. literally something. It's like a delicacy. It's beautiful. Thank you very much for that. Um, that was my number one um, biggest requirement for our new culinary team was that the ceviche had to be in Peruvian style. So um, that meant that the fish had to be treated like sushi, essentially, until it's ordered in leche de tigre. I'll give you a little secret, actually. Leche de tigre normally is just, you know, citrus and herbs and chilies. But if you keep it separate like that, the Peruvian way to do it is actually to make a French fish fume sauce and combine that with the ceviche so it does get that milky white leche de tigre effect. And that's what we did. All right, I want to talk about your history a little bit because La Cosecha, uh, the new owners, uh, Matt and Eric, they're brothers, and they're very lucky to have you. You came from Justin Winery at a time where they were, and I've always said this about Justin, it was like well overdue for them to get their uh, Michelin star. They got, I think, two green Michelin stars for sustainability. Like, they've been killing it. Chef Rachel Hagstrom, I'm a big fan of hers. But this was one of those places that I always swore was the highest in fun dining for well over a decade it finally got the stars under the team that you were part of you were the manager there what was that like what do you think you offered to that in addition to, of course the whole team the chef but what was like your role and what was that like when you first got that news um then uh well i, I sabered a champagne cork into a television at uh at the justin <laughs> downtown location that was kind of funny um Chef Rachel badass. I love that. will uh, always be in my heart as probably my favorite chef I've ever worked for. Mm-hmm. Um, she deserved at least two Michelin stars even when I first got there. She works every hour of every day that she's awake. Um, and she really is just an unbridled rock star in every aspect. So I love her forever. And I was so happy that um, we were able to fix those one or two little tweaks in the front of the house that 
maybe held her food back in the beginning by uh, creating a better narrative and creating these little tiny experiences that make things memorable, maybe tie something to your childhood, uh, really doing deep dives into uh, the guest lists every night and knowing who we were expecting. And that, that really was the difference maker in the front of the house. Now, Michelin is 90% back of house, but I also can spot a Michelin inspector a mile away. So that helped. Um, <laughs> and then we also got our Forbes five star, which is 90% front of house. And, um, very proud of my time there, but it's a lot of work. You do, um, you bring pressure along with you when you come to a new operation that says, okay, these guys, I mean, look, it's in the press release that I was at Justin and that we got these, you know, Michelin stars under my uh, general management. It's like, come on, baby, here we go. Let's make this for La Cosetra. Do you feel that? I mean, obviously, you know, Matt and Eric are, are proud that you're there. Um, I'm sure they're not just like overtly pressuring you, but do you, in your own way, like put it on yourself? Uh, absolutely that that can become a thing um it's also why um i let them know right up front i have no intention of bringing a michelin star to la Cosicha, but i i guarantee you we're going to get a bib gourmand uh from them um it's not really our style of service um to do that michelin level stuff and honestly it's not necessary to have the michelin star as long as you operate like you already have them um if you look there at you lineage go. of my background the last round of stars for justin made my ninth actual star and then there's my first two green stars my first forbes five star but i mean they're not mine at all but when they asked me is that something i wanted to do at lock such i said no we would like Mich Michelin recognition. Um, we would. Uh, it's more important to me to have like guys like you and TripAdvisor and um, and and honestly, just guest feedback being five stars than for Michelin to acknowledge us for a star. What is uh, the uh, mo right now? How are we approaching uh, what we're doing with La Cosecha? And what are some of these things that you're really excited about getting into? Things that you really insisted on. If we're going to do this the right way, we're going to do it this way. 100%. Oh, that's a great question. So the biggest change, and yes, it, it, there were some growing pains with it, and we were still kind of working through those, but the biggest change for me was just convincing people right up front that we're sharing concept. You know, there's no heat lamps in the window of a tiny kitchen. So if there's 10 people and they all want their entrees together and they ask for that, we'll make it happen when we possibly can. But like, it's a sharing concept place to just be flying out, flying in all day long. Um, and that's not how it was before. Before, it was just like, these are my episodes appetizers these are my entrees uh these are our desserts um and i come uh in chicago i was uh do for uh roca core which is a japanese concept and like the servers were literally like gangsters with telling people like as soon as the food's up it's coming out we're going to take your complete ticket we're going to course it out for you and as soon as the kitchen has the food ready it's going to come out yeah. What do restaurants not get right? So uh, uh, it goes back to consistency, first and foremost, um, little attention uh, to detail things. You know, when, we, when I go out in Paso, um, it's kind of funny because the attitude is like we're in Chicago or San Francisco, but the um, actual execution is more like we're in a smaller town. I was at the bar at La Cosecha and I really didn't go to too many other restaurants. I mean, In Bloom is awesome. Um, that's my friend, Chris from Chicago. And, uh, I really am happy with, uh, what's happening at 
the hatch that the, they're doing a great job um, and Le Petit Canai. So within that little radius uh, right around us, we, you know, a lot of uh, people would ask, like, aren't you like intimidated or don't you want them to fail? Absolutely not. I think those, I think us ourselves, the hatch, Le Petit Canai, a little bit of BL Brasserie, like as long as everybody is producing at a very high level, or raising tide raises all boats. You guys have always excelled there with your cocktails mm -hmm. craft cocktails even back in the day when you guys first opened i remember jenna was making some just sick cocktails you guys have always led being uh, you know a home for a great craft cocktail we call it farm to bar now right so where these um these mixologists are treating it almost like the chef is treating their food where they're sourcing the ingredients they're making their own shrubs their own uh bitters how are we going to evolve and carry on that, that torch of just an ultimate craft cocktail house well, I can give you a name. His name is Garrett Anger. And honestly, um, I told him uh, his bar, as long as he keeps running it on, on point like he is, is like Switzerland. I won't be back there. <laughs> so I just asked him to allow me to actually have one crap cocktail. And he's a little butthurt that uh, I actually is the best seller right now. But long story short. <laughs> but like, you know the thing is, that with a bar like this, you got to be able to do, a, I think, something like a Manhattan. You got to be able to do it perfect. Yes. You also got to be, you also got to be thinking of creating and, you know, setting your foot into uncomfortable places to make cocktails that no one's ever tried. Yeah. And, um, I don't care who hears this. Garrett is hands down the best um, cocktail ninja I've ever had the pleasure of working with. He also takes the time to kind of run as my AGM and anything that I need to get done, he helps me out with. Um, the bar was never an issue. In fact, it's probably what kept us afloat during the transition. All right, La Cosecha Bar and Restaurant, of course, 12th Street, right across from the park. Ben, when are we open? We're going to be doing Wednesday and Thursday uh, from uh, lunch and dinner. In between lunch and dinner from 2 to 5 p.m., we do a midday menu. And then it closes at 9.30, uh, Friday and Saturday, same thing, close at 10.30. Sundays, we are open um, for brunch, which is the only time we do brunch in the week. And that starts at 9.30 a.m. And that goes till 2.30 p.m. with live music. And then we do dinner on Sunday from 5 until 9 p.m. And then Mondays, 5 to 9 p.m. For reservations, you accept those, right? LaCosechaBR.com, yes? We do accept reservations. We highly recommend you actually call the restaurant or you can go to ExploreTalk.com. Uh, reservations of more than five people are limited just because of our small table spaces. Okay, a little fun fact about Ben here. Not only your incredible history at Justin, you have managed restaurants um, in Chicago. And is it true you helped build Michael Jordan's personal wine collection yeah so um i'm one of the only people that can actually call mike black so that's what i call him when i talk to him uh <laughs> he's a dear friend uh and that's his nickname his preferred nickname for his security team and uh if you ever need a sick pair of jordans uh that are really hard to come by let me know no way well how cool what kind of wine does uh, mj into so he absolutely loves patson hall and ken wright pinot noir could we get him on any paso wine soon I don't know if we start making good Pinot Noir around here. Maybe the climate change will give us some cooler weather. 
Okay, so he's I not heard big red. one of these he's guys. Like, t- he likes Pinot Noir. Does he know a lot about wine? Because I remember hearing this interview with like Carmelo Anthony and him talking about wine. He's like, I love Merlot and Cab. It's my favorite place when I go to Burgundy. And you're just like, what? Does, does Michael Jordan really know wine or does he just have the ability to buy expensive wine? Oh, his cellar was amazing. Uh, that was in Chicago. Yeah. I heard the one in Miami was even crazier. But uh, Michael knows good wine and all beverage when he tastes it. Uh, he also loves Sauterne, which is really cool. But he he doesn't like white wine at all. So um, uh, after um, he split with Juanita, um, he gave me all of his like super high end Chardonnay, and I was like in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta you and I gotta break some bread and tell some more stories. I had a shrine to this dude when I was growing up. Just an incredible guy. What an incredible story you have. You can go check out Ben Meyer. He is the general manager for the new reborn. La Cosecha, downtown Paso, 12th Street. He's got an incredible history. The chef and the team there, as well as Matt and Eric, the owners, are um, they're putting it all out there. And it's got you know global flair, as we say, with local soul. That's what you guys are doing. I love it. La Cosecha, my man, thank you so much for sharing where wine takes you. Well, we got to have a glass soon, my man. Adam, you're amazing. Anytime. It's so crazy, the history of that place. Before it was even La Cosecha, it was a wine bar called Vinoteca. And two iterations of owners there, the original ones, Cynthia Reed. That was my first like part-time job when I moved here 20 years ago. I just uh, worked the bar a little bit, knew nothing. Literally, I knew nothing about wine. I just used my theater background to kind of BS my way through. Oh, you taste this? Oh, of course. Yeah, cedar nuts. Yeah, whatever. And then that's also where I fell in love with wine. So lots of fun memories in those four walls. And it's exciting to see the life, the new life that those four walls are birthing right now. He's something too. What a smart guy. I really enjoyed talking to Ben. I'm excited to go back and eat there. So many good dishes. Go with people and share and talk. Open a fun bottle. You will have a night you will never forget. La Cosecha BR for bar and restaurant. La CosechaBR.com. And make sure you check out the Travel Paso website, travelpaso.com, before your next trip here to see the latest. Here's a follow-up to another Travel Paso spotlight we did. Remember we talked to JD from Third Wheel Tours. My fiance and I celebrated the anniversary of our first date recently. It's a fun anniversary we like to remember. Our first date was actually at this downtown slow restaurant called Veggie Butcher. It's no longer around. It unfortunately didn't last that long. So for our first anniversary, Veggie Butcher was just an empty space. So I talked to the people that owned it, set up a table and candles, and we had food brought to us from Sidecar, which then was across the street. And we had a dinner there in the same spot, but in a completely empty concrete room. But it was it was fun. We'll never forget it. And we always celebrate that anniversary, October 18th, as the anniversary of our very first date. So we always like to try and do something special on that anniversary of our first date. So we took a third wheel tour at Cass Winery. Remember, JD said he's got these like romantic getaways where you hop in the sidecar on these bikes that they make. We both fit in great. I'm a big dude. He drives us to this oak tree in the middle of the vineyards, totally secluded. And we spent over an hour with a beautiful bottle of Grenache from Cass, cheese and charcuterie. We had an absolute blast and he comes and picks us up. We ride through the vineyards on the way out. It was so neat, it's so special. I highly recommend it and wanted to give you that Travel Paso update because I went on the tour and it was unforgettable. Also, I mentioned earlier the tough week it's been and just another testament to Paso. Chris Heisma, owner of In Bloom, called to reach out and said, hey, just come up here, just come up here for dinner. I wanna have you for a meal. 
We showed up. He had two reserved spots at the bar and just brought out food. It was so sweet. To offer a meal to someone who's having a tough week is such a special and meaningful offering. I was touched by that so much. And it shows the character, the heart, these people, in this case, Chris and his wife and his team at In Bloom. And I was just so moved by that. So I wanted to thank him here. And if you know someone, wherever you are, that is having a tough week and you're able to maybe even, you know, make them a lasagna and walk it over to them or, or send them to a restaurant, whatever you can do, offering someone a meal, man, goes a long way. All right. What a show. I know a lot, huh? Got some more fresh episodes coming down the pike. Make sure you check out uh, past episodes if you haven't, if you're behind on any. They're still evergreen. They still listen so well, even older ones from a couple years ago. Wherever you listen, of course, here on PasoWine.com as well. And for any and all things Paso before your next trip here, check out PasoWine.com and the app. Do you have the app yet in your smartphone? Completely free. It's intuitive. It's easy. It's in your app store, and it's essentially the perfect resource to find the places and people you want to see when you get here. Go to your app store and search for Paso Wine. And thank you so much to share, subscribe, encourage others to subscribe, rate five stars, and review the pod. It means so much. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer and fulfillment done by Jimmy Guzman. The pod is recorded, edited, produced by yours truly. Original music on the podcast, Good Company, performed by Moonshiner Collective. Get them wherever you stream your music and learn more, moonshinercollective.com. Equipment transport and technical consideration provided by our friends at Fly With Wine. And when I can announce more on the next move as far as my radio and my broadcast stuff, I will definitely let you know. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the love. Thank you for reaching out. And thank you for connecting with us here. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Until next time, let's lift that glass up. Cheers to the culinary adventures of Paso, where each flavor narrates its own tale. And as you follow that trail of tastes, never forget the destinations. But yes, those paths can be fun that lead you to that special place where wine takes you. So give me that bone sound, get by, we pass all around to the job, it's camped out in a cheesy, we'll simplify the company. Give me that bone sound, get by, we pass all around to the job, it's camped out in a cheesy, we'll simplify the company. Give me that bone sound, we'll get by, we pass all around to the job, it's camped out in a cheesy, we'll simplify the company. Give me that bone sound, we'll get by, we pass all Round to the job is dry. Camped out in a cheesy world, simplifying good company.